Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today, we're talking about brownies. Uh, and we're talking about keto brownies, but more than that, we're just talking about e-commerce growth and product development. And uh, I always get great feedback from listeners when, when I interview a founder and we get to hear their story. And so today's founder, you're going to absolutely love his story, the ups and downs of this brand, lots of lessons to unpack and uh, fun to be had. This episode of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce Resources. That's right. Here at OMG Commerce, we want to help make sure you're educated and in the know to capitalize on the latest tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow your e-commerce business. So if you go to omgcommerce.com and under resources, click on guides, we have some cutting edge free information for you on things like how to dominate with Amazon DSP ads or how to use Amazon sponsor brand video ads and how to craft the perfect ad. We have several guides on how to capitalize on YouTube ads from creating the perfect ad to knowing when you're ready to scale. Plus there's a newly updated Google shopping guide plus more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com and click on guides under resources. And now back to the show. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Nick Rakuya, and Nick is the founder of Keto Brownie, some new kind of exciting things in, in the works. And so with that, Nick, welcome to the show, man, and uh, how's it going? Thanks, Brett. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's going awesome. Um, definitely excited to hop on and talk Keto Brownie, tell you a little bit more about my story and uh, yeah, just the progress over the last four, four and a half years. Yeah, so uh, really excited to dig in. Just a quick story about how we met. Uh, we, I'm an investor with Ryan Daniel Moran's uh, Capitalism Fund. And we'll we'll tell the story. We'll hear the story a little bit, but but Keto Brownie is now part of the Capitalism Fund, and so yep. you and I actually met at Ryan's uh, Lake House and to kind of talking business and stuff. But before that, uh, Ryan sent out to all the investors and other, some of the people sent out some Keto Brownies, right? So I get a I get a box of Keto Brownies. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll eat anything. Like I'll try anything. I like healthy food. And uh, there was quite a few in this box. My business partner Chris Brewer was out of town. And so I was like, well, I'm going to eat a few of these brownies and I'll save a few for Chris. It's only fair, right? We invested in this stuff together. <laughs> so I ate, I ate the first two and then I decided that Chris didn't need any keto brownies. So <laughs> he was gone for a few months in Florida. So I ate all of the keto brownies and I regret nothing. And so uh, the snack is fantastic and lots of good stuff in the, in the works, new products, stuff like that. We can talk about that in a minute. But Let's first talk, Nick, about where did the inspiration come for mm -hmm. this product? How, how did the idea come to be? Just, just kind of walk us through that story because it's pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it all happened pretty much in 2016. Um, I, I'm, my background is accounting, so I was in accounting for four or five years. And, you know, like super stressful, like crazy work hour industry. I didn't have like good eating habits. Um, I was like barely exercising. So I was like 30, 35 pounds overweight. Um, and it was awful. Like I had no energy. Like I wasn't even fit into my dress clothes. Um, so I knew like I was always trying to like diet and eat healthy, but like nothing ever stuck. Uh, then I found out about keto. So I started doing keto in like mid 2016 and it worked like magically for me. Like I dropped 30, 35 pounds in I think six or seven months. Like no, wow. pro no problems. Yeah, it was just 
Like, so have you been full keto since 2016 or close to it? Yeah, pretty much close to it. Yeah. There's like some times where I'll take breaks, like maybe holidays or something like that, and just kind of give my like metabolism and body a change. But um, no, I feel like the best when I'm just eating keto, low carb, low sugar. So I try and eat that way pretty much all the time. But, uh, but yeah, so I had great success with keto, but back in 2016, like it wasn't even close to as popular as it is now. And right, right. I think there was only maybe four or five brands out there, or at least like four or five brands I could find. So I, I bought all their snacks and tried them all just to like help me stay on the diet, but I didn't really like the yeah, taste Yeah, because snacking is tough, right? And we did, I did keto for like a hot minute. It was, it was yeah. literally like three or four weeks and sort of liked it. My wife and I tried together. She hated it. It was not the best overall experience. I did lose weight. Um, but snacking is hard, right? Like you got to get, what are you, like, you going to eat? Yeah, you know, I mean, nuts, outside of like, yeah. Sugar and nuts even, right? So like eating butter. Um, you know, yeah, so sticks of butter. But yeah, you're pretty limited. I mean, it's like some nuts, like you can do like beef jerky, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like you're on the go. It's super tough. Or even if you like want to run into like a convenience store or something, like your options are extremely limited. Um, and yeah, so back in 2016, there, was, there wasn't much to choose from. I tried some of the snacks out there. I just didn't like any. So I essentially just started making brownies in my apartment for like weeks and weeks on end. I uh, went to the grocery store a bunch of times, got some ingredients, started putting stuff together. So did you like? Did you find recipes online and then modify them, or were you just like making stuff up? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of both. I was doing like a ton of like recipe research, um, but I mean, the thing is with keto, like, there's only like so many ingredients you can. Right, use. it's got to be pretty simple. Yeah, it's got to be pretty simple. Like, few, few ingredients. Yeah. yeah, if you look at most of the recipes online, it's always like the same ingredients over and over, just varying quantities or like different sweeteners and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah it was like kind of modifying some recipes I found and then just, you know, having fun playing around and seeing like what tasted good and what worked. So um, I started doing that and just using that as kind of like a snack to keep me on keto and um, eventually started working like with my first manufacturer to kind of get the recipe shelf stable and nice. get ready to like be mass produced. Yeah, because that, that's got to be tough. And I'll just, just interject for a minute. The These are prepackaged brownies, right? And so uh, you get the you get the chocolate. It's like double chocolate, right? It's like chocolate with chocolate, chocolate. chip. Yeah, chocolate chocolate chips with almonds. Yeah, yeah. which is fantastic. And it, it, so it's prepackaged, uh, a couple hundred calories or whatever. Like you could use as a meal replacement. Yep. It's got the perfect blend of being dense, but also not dry and, yep. and not too flaky. Like it's just the right consistency. It tastes very natural because it is, right? It's got natural ingredients in right, it. Right, right. And I love that there's also the peanut butter with chocolate chip. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You got the blondie as well. Shout out to the blondie. It's good. Uh, I do like the chocolate on chocolate and the, and the peanut butter better. Better, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I've been on a kick where I eat about one a day. It's a great <laughs> either either a breakfast replacement or kind of pre, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes I've been a lunch replacement. So, yeah, it's fantastic. So, so you had to work with the manufacturer then to get it shelf stable. Yep. What was that process like? And then, and then where'd you go from there? Yeah, so essentially I took like my recipe and was just like, hey, this is what I came up with. Um, this is like really what I want as the base, but I know like this isn't shelf stable. So we're going to need to add like some preservatives and stuff like that just to kind of keep um, like water and mold and get all that kind of stuff situated for, you know, to, to be a shelf stable product to actually sit on a shelf for six, eight, 12 months. Uh, so we just went back and forth. They kind of tweaked a few things, added a few things, and uh, sent me samples. And then it was just back and forth from there, just making sure like it tasted as close to the original as I came up with, but also being like good for for shelf stability. Not so botulism or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no mold growth or anything like right, that. Right, right, so. Right, right. 
So yeah, that process took like probably another few months of just back and forth with samples, looking over the nutritionals, making sure it like adhered to keto and all that and wasn't too high on any of like the sugars or something like that, make sure the, the fat levels are, are proper. So that was another few months of uh, back and forth testing on, on the recipes. Cool. So, so kind of uh, tell me when, when did you realize, okay, I've got a real business here, right? Like this is not just going to be tasty brownies for myself, but yeah. people want this, that there's a real business here. Yeah, I think, because um, I mean, this is like the first ever business I've I've created too, so it wasn't really like even, it was like basically two and one for me. So um, yeah, I think maybe when I started my Instagram page back in around that time, and then I was like getting, I put the first production run in, it was super small, I think only like four or 500 boxes. But um, yeah, it was around that time where I was like, things were starting to kind of get real in my head that like, hey, like I, this is a lot of money I just paid for this product to be made. <laughs> Um, yeah, so probably four five hundred boxes. So in each box is like a dozen or something. Yeah, exactly. Or, yep. Yeah. So then, so you start posting on Instagram. Like, did did they fly off the digital shelf, so to speak, or was it? Yeah. So I took or? I took pre orders and I was just doing like basic email opt ins and I was getting like tons of emails, um, tons of like likes and shares and uh, people just saying, "Oh, I really can't wait for this product. Like, looks so good and stuff like that." So I was just kind of trying to build up an audience and some engagement. And um, nice. yeah, I took pre-sales and, and all that. And I think my first month I only did like 2,000 bucks in sales, but just out of nowhere, it, it like kind of hit it that I was like, oh wow, like this, this could be something and um, just got to keep working at it and, and yeah. scale it up now. That's awesome. And so did you, like this, this pre-launch strategy of getting people engaged and interested in email lists and all that, were you kind of following a formula? Were you following like Ryan, Daniel Moran's teaching or other people or were you just kind of making stuff up? Um, no, I mean, I was just like watching and like reading as much as I could on like business yeah. and e-commerce at the time and trying to see what was working at that point. But yeah, it was just really just Instagram with uh, link in bio, like, hey, opt-in, nice. opt-in link in bio, like yeah, oh, we're yeah. going to do pre-orders. So I just kept doing that, posting every day, uh, did a few giveaways, like once the product was launched. So nice. gave away some free product for emails that worked really well. But yeah, it was just basic, um, like go to the link, opt-in and you'll find out when we launch and then. I was just doing a good job of emailing pretty consistently and like just having it really like personal and like storytelling, like, hey, this is what's going on with the brand. Like this is what's storytelling kind of like behind the scenes, here's how yeah, exactly. the brand and the product and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even to this day, um, with my email marketing, I just sent one a couple hours ago. It's just straight text. I don't use any pictures yeah. or yeah. videos or anything like that. It's just, hey, this I want it to be like a a letter or just e- like an email from like a personal friend. I think that's kind of like the best way to do it and just tell stories. Yeah. And I love it. And, and if you have the right tone, if you have a tone that really resonates with your your market, then just the text only. In the past, that was the easiest way to get it delivered, right? You yeah. include images, you include video that right. you, you're, the ESPs don't always deliver. That's not as much of an issue now. It's, it's pretty easy to get images and stuff delivered through email now. But still, I like the plain text only. Same. I think it's pretty great. And so are you are you telling stories like about the diet and about healthy eating and about like what you're doing, mm-hmm. kind of a you know, show, showing who Nick is, or is it just more of the story of the the products themselves? No, I mean I do pretty much everything, a little bit of everything. So cool. right now, like today's I was just looking at some of the Amazon reviews on my product and I kind of did like a celebrities read mean tweets. Um, and that's what it was. I just picked out a few like bad reviews on Amazon and just kind of talked oh, about to my list. Yeah, that was actually that <laughs> was actually Ryan. Is like one of my favorite. Yeah, uh, that was actually a suggestion from Ryan, so I have to give him credit on that. Um, yeah, yeah, but I'll do that. I'll do um, like just talk about like new products. So I'll send a picture of like one of the new products I'm developing. I'll be like, hey, sneak peek. Talk about the product when yeah. it's coming. Yeah. 
Um, I'll do some like, hey, like I found out this like is the best meal on keto. So this is what I this is like what I ate today. Nice. And um, yeah, just everything from like the ups and downs. I know one time last year I had a good one that it was when Amazon was going crazy with COVID stuff and um, they sent me back like an entire pallet of my products like to my apartment. So <laughs> I just took a yeah, I just took a picture of uh I took a picture of hey, we, don't, we don't want this anymore. There's a whole pallet. Oh great, I'll just go. Yeah, and my, my small uh, yeah, my small apartment. and put it here in my apartment. Great. Yeah, the guy unloaded it on my apartment uh front doorstep and I was just like Oh man, like I had to have a couple of friends and we loaded like 70 or 80 huge boxes into like a small room I have here. And uh, so I just took a picture of that and told the story. It was like, yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks Jeff Bezos. This just showed up. <laughs> like, so I, I use that as an opportunity to like have a sale to like move product quick. Like, Hey, get these out of my apartment. Here's Legit X percent story. off. People, yeah. people love stuff like that. They love to hear kind of the down and out or yeah. obstacle challenge, whatever. And they they love to hear when you, when you stick it to the man as well. Or, yeah. and, and then, and then, yeah, it's a, it's a great, excuse for a sale so exactly yeah fantastic um let's talk about a, a few things about kind of what you got right what you got wrong but let's let's start first with what do you feel like you got right in mm-hmm. the beginning so what what did you nail i know the product is great yeah what else do you feel like you really did well in the, in the beginning stages yeah so i think the aside from like a, like a really strong focus on product development like i was doing that for months and months like going back and forth went through dozens of recipes and um just focus on like making the branding look really good. So that was probably the number one. Number two, just like knowing the customer really Which, by well. By the way, that is the number one, right? If you don't yeah. have an awesome product, yeah. then everything else is going to be pretty mediocre, right? right? Great marketing is only great if the product is great. And so, exactly. Yeah, obsessing about product always pays off. Definitely. And um, so yeah, that was like kind of the obviously main number one. And then number two, I'd say is just knowing the customers really well. And it helped for me because like I was the customer. So the customer, it was just yeah. like, I know like what I was looking for, like, hey, this needed to like kick my sugar craving. So I know like what it needed from like a taste standpoint, what the nutritionals needed. Um, so yeah, if, if you're like somebody who's not on keto, it's gonna be like really tough to make a keto product that tastes good and you know what ingredients that go into it, like what the macros need to look like, like how your blood markers need to look after you eat something like this. So uh, knowing your customer was like super vital. And that that also kind of ties in with like the storytelling and all that too with the emails. So it's uh, it's pretty easy for me to write keto emails when you're doing keto day in and yeah. day out. Yeah. Um, so knowing your customer and then uh, let's see. Which and I think they, really that that should speak to, hey, if you're, it's okay if you own a business and you're not the customer, right? I think it's quite a bit easier if you are. If you are living the keto lifestyle, selling a keto product, that's ideal. Mm-hmm. If that's not you though, you better partner with somebody that, that exactly. is. Uh, either partner closely with them or, or work with them you need to have that inside scoop and you need to be able to speak the customer's language, design the product for the customer, talk to the customer through email marketing and, and social media marketing, things like that. So yeah, super, super critical. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, I think um, like working with influencers could be a big advantage there. Yep. If, like you don't have that inside expertise yeah. or finding a partner who maybe is, is in this food space or something like that. But um, yeah, definitely product uh, development, know your customer. And then I'd say another big one was I was collecting like emails and building the audience from day one. Yeah, so, yeah. Media um, I, that you own, audiences that you own, so to speak, definitely. super valuable, right? Like yeah. the, the email list, it's not going away anytime soon. Right. And really it, it is your business, especially if you're selling a, a consumable or, or any kind of product where, where uh, there are repeat purchases, you need that email list. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I was pretty much focused on that, um, just building the audience from day one. I didn't 
like sit around and say, hey, like this product's not going to be on the shelf until six months. So you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try and sell it when I get it in six months. So I was yeah. collecting emails from day one, and then um, that kind of just really helped kickstart the the launch. And it's nice. been it's been one of my strongest revenue uh, drivers, you know, since, to this day. So. And then it's beautiful for new product releases and product launches. Exactly. Like you have an email list, you can, you can leverage it in so many ways. Yep. Let's talk then about what did not go so well. So what did you, <clears throat> what did you not get right? And maybe kind of a, a question to go along with that is, what do you wish you would have done sooner? So you can answer whichever of those you want to answer. Okay. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I kind of messed up on was not getting my like second and third product out faster. Okay. Um, so I focused on like the bars for... The first two years, which is which is good, it like it needed the full attention, obviously, and I was able to get a, a couple flavors out. It went through a couple like formulations, uh, reformulations, and like new branding and all that. But um, the space was like growing so fast, and there was like still a lot of like wide open space, especially for like the brownie mix and um, the fat bomb mix and the chocolate nut butter, which were the products I launched after. But at that point, I feel like the market was almost a little too saturated, especially like for brownie mixes. Um, I was like ranked. Number one for the for the term keto brownie on Amazon for a long time, and if I had got like another two or three products up there, um, it definitely would have been like a completely different revenue like trajectory if I had those up uh, way way sooner. So yeah, it probably took me almost a full year to get like another product out. Um, so I essentially like fell behind a year there. I feel like I could have got that out, and things would have like turned out way way different. And, and just just curious, I think this is always interesting to, to see the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, were you, were you just kind of too taxed or too too pulled in different, you know, uh, to, to develop a new product? Or uh, why didn't you develop that second or third? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just like economics and being a self-funded yeah. startup. It's yeah. just like, hey, like all my time. Bootstrapping. Yeah, it's just like all my time's going to the bars. Like I'm doing marketing myself. I'm doing logistics, operations, customer yeah, service. Yeah. So yeah. it's like by the time you get all that done, like when are you going to have time to develop products? Right. It's just like. Right. Yeah, so time and capital. Time uh, and capital were huge yeah, there. Yeah. So um, totally, totally um, tight on both. Uh, yeah, like which which makes sense. And so, cool. What what about um, anything else you wish you would have done sooner? Like, man, if if I could, if I could go back in time and tell you know two thousand sixteen or two thousand seventeen, yeah. Nick, something. Here's what I would say. Yeah. So I think um, outside of like getting the products, like focus more on product development. It's actually probably looking at investment or getting on some yeah. some partners to help, um, because I knew I needed like an agency or somebody else to to help. But it's just like financially, it's like especially with like yeah. an e-commerce food brand, the the margins are already pretty tight. Um, you they know, are with they the are. product costs. A lot of people don't that aren't in the industry don't know like the, the margins in e-commerce are pretty tight. Like you get yeah. a game. Yep, especially with you know fulfillment costs, and then you have to have an ad budget, and then right. the product, the product costs, all the shipping costs, um, all that stuff, the packaging that goes into it all, the actual yeah. ingredients that go into it all. So, yeah, yeah. your margins get yeah, like people super are like, oh, you're 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 paying a dollar for a product, and you're selling it for ten, like you should yeah. be making a ton of money. Well, yeah, there's whole lot yeah. of whole, whole lot, lot of stuff. Yeah, it adds up quick, all the software and all that stuff. But um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd say looking at looking at funding for sure because you know since getting it, it just kind of unlocked so much of my like mental capacity and my time and just like yeah. the projects we can start doing and the, and the snacks we can start developing. So, so curious then in, in, in terms of, um, did you have some, some hesitancy to, to getting funding? Because I know a lot of people say, man, this is, this is my baby, this is my business, I don't want to give up any equity. Yeah. Was there some of that at play or was it just, man, I don't really know how to find an investor or what, what kind of, what prevented you from, 
finding an investor earlier. I mean, I, I think it was kind of a little bit of all of that. Like, yeah, yeah like, oh, this is my business. Like, I don't want to give any of it up. And then, sure. um, like, oh, how do I, like, I don't want to deal with a boss, somebody coming in and telling me what to do. Or, like, how do I know, like, this person's actually going to bring enough value outside of, like, just, you know, right. cutting a check? Because at that point, I can just, like, maybe go to a bank and get, like, a loan yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. nobody's so, going to um, care as much as I do. So yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, like, you know, buying a partner that's not going to bring me any value. What's the point? Yeah, yeah. It, just seemed, it seemed like there was more headaches than it was worth. But um, kind of find out it's not the case, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's just so true, like, getting in a, a strategic investor, a strategic partner, can have huge benefits. And I'm not just saying that because I'm part of the fund that has invested in your brand mm -hmm. and, and I'm an investor outside of that as well. But I do believe that if you have the right person, the right investor, the right partner, it can make a huge difference. If you, if you have the wrong one, it's it's terrible. But right. uh, but getting the right investor and or partner is is huge. It's huge, so, yes. yeah. So how did that process kind of come to be? And you know, how, how did you meet Ryan Moran and how did that all kind of come together? Yeah, so I met Ryan a while ago, like five years ago now, I think. Um, so I actually joined an online incubator um, with another entrepreneur, Billy Murphy, who he had like a 10-week incubator program. So we went through his program, I went through his program, and that kind of like set the stone, like the initial groundwork for, hey, this is like how you launch an e-commerce brand. Like, And he went over like high-level marketing and stuff like that. So um, he was really good friends with Ryan, and Ryan actually came and spoke at like one of his like really small meetups so that was the first time I ever met Ryan. And um, yeah, from there, I'd, we just like chatted mainly on Instagram. And uh, he always really liked the product. So he would buy some and I'd send him stuff, send him new products that I was thinking of making and stuff like that. So just always connected with him through like social media. And then um, back in 2020, I was actually trying to sell the entire business because I was feeling just a little burnt out. COVID happened. Uh, my, my main product actually like went out of stock and went down. So I had to do a reformulation, which was going to mm. cost a lot of time and money. So yeah, I was just kind of got pretty beat up last year. So I was trying to sell the whole business. And uh, yeah, I just texted Ryan and said, hey, like, do you know anybody that'd be interested in buying this brand? And that's like right when he launched the uh, Capitalism Fund. So the yeah. timing worked out. I was like, like hey, awesome. uh, yeah, I know someone pretty closely. Me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. And, and what, so a couple things to underscore there. I think this is just a great business principle. Like getting involved in, in uh, meetups and meeting influencers in the space and going to events and staying connected and just being a really cool person. Like I was at an event recently, it was one of Ezra Firestone's event. I was speaking at it and like someone gave me a free product when I was there. It was an amazing product. Um, actually pants for my wife, but uh, like, yeah, this is so cool. It's like we connected and I'm kind of helping them and we're talking and stuff like that. But just, just making those connections, you never know where that's going to go. Uh, just purely from a network networking standpoint is awesome, but maybe you want to partner, maybe you want to look for a yeah. deeper relationship. You're going to find those through, uh, through actual in-person meetings and then just being a cool person. Um, it's awesome. So, so kind of what, uh, walk through in anything that's, that, that you feel like is, useful or instructive about that process of, of bringing on an investor? Was mm -hmm. that, even though you knew Ryan and he's like a yeah. good dude and he's well-known, like it's still kind of scary, right, to bring in an investor? Yeah. What, what was that What was that process like? Yeah, so I think like the main thing that made me feel like most comfortable was that he just essentially said, hey, like, I want you to just keep running the business like you run it. Like we're going we're gonna to be hands-on, but we're not going to like be steering the company like that's that's still what we want you to do because you know how to do it best you know like what products to make and uh we're just going to be there to support you with like financial and capital obligations and um just high level advisory like hey we'll, we'll give you our input but you have the kind of the final say on on these things um so that was like kind of what just 
really made it all make sense. And not to mention like all of like the networking connections they bring. So I was able to get like several agencies on board within like the first two months of working with them. Um, so that was a huge help just to like get somebody running all of the Amazon and um, also like the digital marketing and stuff from that end, web development, all the things that I like really hated doing and like I was doing and it just was making me not enjoy running this business to be honest. So um, being able to, you know, kind of get some help there and allow me to start focusing on making new products is kind of just like a win-win for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And so really taking the steps to free you up to do what you're brilliant at because you're you're a mad scientist when it comes to the, these new formulas and mm-hmm. creating products that taste amazing. And so you can't do that, though, when you're running the Facebook yeah, ads. exactly. You, it sounds like you hate. And, yeah, I hated and so it. Why yeah. do that? Like, yeah. uh, partner with somebody to do that. Um, great. So any, any advice? What advice would you give to someone if they're maybe in a similar position as you? Either you know, maybe, they're, maybe they were burned out like you were and thinking, mm-hmm. man, I'm just going to sell the whole company. Or maybe they're just thinking about a strategic inv- uh, investor. What advice would you give them as they're trying to find this, this person or this group? Yeah, I think um, what, what just, like I said, is most important is just making sure like your vision's aligned. Yeah. And that um, that they're the right fit. So, however much like due diligence or like research or networking with them, you need to do maybe see what kind of other businesses they're in, how they're doing, speak with people they work with. Um, some like Ryan, it was just easy because I've known him for five years, and I've been. But at least even if I didn't know him, like he's got hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos and articles yeah. and blogs and emails and and products he puts out. So it's like. You know, with the with the internet age, it's really easy to kind of dig in and see like who this person is, what they've done, sure. um, and yeah, I would say just focus on people who have either done what you want to do or have like a hand in, in somewhere you want to go, instead of just um, you know relying on a lot of these people who just say that they do this and have no experience doing it right now. So yeah, yeah, and I think one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that you know we all, we all hear the horror stories of you know private equity group comes in. Fires everybody, changes the whole direction of the company. You know, runs into the ground. Like all these, all these, you know, horror stories, and that certainly happens. But man, the, the deeper I get into this game, and the more I start investing and meeting private equity groups and stuff, there's a lot of really great people. And there, and and you know, Ryan is unique, but there are other funds and other investors that are like that that say, "No, I want you to run the business. I want you to execute your vision. We're going to help you. We're going to help you with with capital and with our network." And so they those those investors do exist. Um, so yeah, it's it's probably worth it's probably worth looking. Yeah, and I mean, if I if I were to like go back in time, I I would have like done this deal like from day one. Uh, yeah. So I, if I ever start another business, I, I know like from from the get go, I'm going to look at it. So for strategic investor, yeah, yep. absolutely, awesome, um, cool. So let, let's kind of talk about then uh, what's what's next for for the company. I know there could be some things that are secret and under wrap. Yeah. We don't want to. We love to, you know, have breaking news on the podcast, but also don't want to, you know, uh, spill the beans too quickly, so to speak. But, but what's what's next? Yeah, so right now I'm working on uh, two new snacks, but I probably won't. I mean, I already told you before the show, but I'll probably keep it between us for I now. think it's good. Yeah, part of me is yeah. like, okay, it'd be fun to talk about, but I'm also investing in the company. I kind of rather nobody copy it. Yeah. The snacks sound amazing, and I can't wait to try them. And so we'll just, we'll leave that We'll leave that teaser there. These are two, I think they'll be wildly popular snacks, but yeah, let's keep it under wraps, but, but, uh, but go ahead, continue. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the major focus now is um, getting new snacks out, something I haven't been able to do for like a, a few years, just with all of like the logistical and uh, 
nightmares I've been talking about and everything, just kind of being on my shoulders. But um, yeah, we have the agencies on board, so we're, we're aggressively scaling marketing now, uh, going into like heavy customer acquisition, and then just trying to roll out the new products over the next, um, hopefully, hopefully two to two to three months. We'll get a few out there. Um, but yeah, that's just the main goal: just new products, more customers, growing the brand. Yeah. New new customers and going hard on new customer acquisition. acquisition now yeah. is the time to do that, right? E-commerce is still. Hot, even though as we record this, you know the world is is opening back up, pretty mm-hmm. open in my part of the world, my part of the country. Um, but e-commerce is still growing, right? So now is a great time to double down on on new customer acquisition. Yep. Uh, anything you've kind of learned from the agencies you're working with on, you know, as, as your mindset shifted at all when it comes to new customer acquisition from what it was, you know, bef- you know, pre-agency. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, like the biggest mind shift. I've had with customer acquisition actually came from Ryan like during our meetup last month where um, I was like just hesitating because being self-funded like I've always had to to focus on profitability like hey if this isn't making like money like I'm not gonna be able to pay myself or eat so like it needs to be profitable whereas when you have um, like investor fund funding and you have kind of like a customer acquisition model where it's okay to break even or even bleed a little bit up front uh, you can you can be a lot more aggressive on customer acquisition. So that's like been the, the biggest mind shift probably all year for me actually, where it's just like we're gonna aggressively focus on top line revenue and customer yeah. acquisition. And we understand like if we're gonna bleed a bit for the first few months on acquiring those customers, like the lifetime value, um, getting getting the customer information and data and then like new product launches coming down the pipeline, it's we'll definitely be able to recoup that cash. So yeah. that's definitely yeah. been the biggest mind shift. Awesome, and and so as a, as an ad guy, I'll just I'll speak to this a little bit. You know, we have we have some clients come to us and say, hey, we need to hit like a five or six x ROAS, right, return on ad spend. So for every dollar we spend, we need to get five or six dollars in sales. That can happen on some channels. On other channels, it's not really possible. But what happens when you say, hey, I can actually do a two x? So spend a dollar, get two, mm-hmm. or even in some cases, spend a dollar, get a dollar fifty, right? Because you're you're all about customer new customer acquisition and growing. That doesn't just allow you to double your spend or triple your spend. Sometimes it's like a, a 10x uh, increase in, in volume on what you can get from your ads because to, to get to that 500 or 600% return on ad spend, you have to be so focused and so narrow in what you're doing that you're really limited. So if you can, if you have the funding and if you're able to break even on new customer acquisition because you, you know what your lifetime value is or you have funding, then you can get re- do some really creative stuff with advertising and, and grow so much faster. Um, so awesome. Good good for you that, that you're doing that. So uh, fantastic, man. So if people are listening and they're thinking, man, I'm, I'm hungry. Uh, keto or no keto, I want to try the brownie. Yep. Uh, so how can they, uh, fi- how and where can they find your products? Yeah, so uh, the best place is just either my website, ketobrownie.com or Amazon. You can search keto brownie. Uh, all one word, and um, we have three flavors, peanut butter, chocolate chip, blondie cookie dough, chocolate almonds. Um, so those are the best places to, to try it, and I would highly suggest you microwave them for 15 to 20 seconds. You know what's weird? I've eaten a lot of these things now. I've never tried the microwave thing. Oh, you never tried it? Dude, yeah, I don't know why. It. I think I've heard you mention that before, and I've never tried it. So I, that will be uh, next on my list is to microwave the brownie and give it a shot. So also... If they go to your site, sign up for your list, then they'll know about new product releases and these two new amazing products are coming out soon. Yep. Yeah, so we have a pop-up for a discount, or you could just go to the footer and sign up for the email list, and you'll start getting emails from me. Awesome. 
Nick Rakuya, ladies and gentlemen. Nick, thanks for taking the time, man. This is a lot of fun. Really excited about the business, excited about where it's headed, and uh, can't wait to be, you know, just a, a small part of it as you continue to grow and, and take over the world here. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Sounds really good. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. What ideas do you have for the podcast? If you haven't done it, we would love that five-star review on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show and makes my day. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.